This year marks the 30th anniversary of the 16 Days of Activism Global Campaign on Violence Against Women and Girls. And while we have made progress in raising awareness and development of policies and laws addressing the various forms of violence, we are still yet to eradicate what has been termed the shadow pandemic. Various forms of violence, such as intimate partner violence, sexual violence, including rape and defilement, female genital mutilation in some parts of Africa, and cyberbullying continue to persist. As with many global crises and disasters, rates of violence drastically increase and therefore call for more comprehensive response mechanisms. Hello and welcome to The Response, a podcast curated and produced under For Equality. Each week we will be hosting feminist leaders, activists, scholars, political leaders and young women to discuss and analyze emerging issues from a feminist perspective. The Response is a campaign driven by the urgent need to ensure that women and girls are not left behind in the pandemic response. That is, their voices are heard and needs prioritized. This podcast is an extension of the response newsletter and is a platform for deeper discussion. I am Jessica Mandanda, the editor of The Response and your host. And today we are talking about the 16 Days of Activism Global Campaign. And with me today is our guest, Lomuti. Welcome and thank you for being here today. Thank you, it's good to be here. All right, thank you so much for joining me, Lamuti. I think before we get into the conversation, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, um, and then from there we're going to go into how do you feel about the 60 Days of Activism campaign, just generally. Well, again, thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, as you said, my name is Lamuti. I am a Malawian woman. I <laughs> um, had the great pleasure and privilege of uh, li- visiting and living various places um, yeah. throughout childhood and up to now. Uh, but yeah, I. I, I don't know where to begin. You know that this question is always such a funny one. Tell us about yeah. yourself. And, <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So I'm a mom. Um, I'm married to um, uh, a man named <laughs> Kimba, and we've got an art center. We created a, um, a creative hub out in Jinji. That's where I live oh, as well. Okay. So left a long way, moved out to Jinji, and um, initially it was a it was a it was an inn. Um, mm. And I think after several years of it becoming an inn, it organically transitioned into a creative hub. Yeah. And mainly that's because a lot of people, a lot of creatives used to come in and spend a lot of time there. Okay. So we decided to transition that. And uh, so that's what we're busy doing that, um, trying to get all that stuff regularized, you know, the legal aspects, yeah. going from licensed in <laughs> to now becoming something else. So that's what keeps me busy. That and my two boys, I have my mom, as like I said. And so that keeps me busy as well, chasing around toddlers. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a full-time job, as you well know. And, but then in recent times, I've gotten myself involved in the creative space. So building conversations, uh, meaningful conversations yeah. around art and creativity 
and um, how to tackle um, emerging issues or um, just um, important issues using the you know in the, that that exists within the creative space, but yeah. also using the creative space to address tough conversations. Yeah. So I did some copyright with Evan Hunt's Fact Checker and Yali Music. Yeah. And I also recently have been I joined the 16 Day Movement to the yeah. Orange the World. So that's what's been keeping me busy. Um. Now I think touching on the 16 days, um, this is a campaign that has been there for 30 years. Um, yeah. Stephanie is older than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I think there's so many feelings around this campaign, especially mm -hmm. this year. Um, what would you say is particularly different? Because this campaign goes on every year. Right. Um, and in, in different countries, it, it looks differently. Yeah. Um, so, so true. what do you think is different about this year specifically? Um, besides the fact that it is you know, 30 years yeah. um, after they, they initiated it. Well, on a personal level, it's the first time I've been actively involved. Ah, so that's okay. very different for me because I've just been sort of a, 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 a not consumer, but I was in the audience and watching what's yeah. going on. But from now the perspective for me has changed because I'm the person that's now helping to contribute to this movement. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the number one thing that personally is different for me. But I also think that just looking at and listening and watching in Malawi, I feel like there's been more of a vibrant sort of movement. People are moving together and maybe again, it's a, it's a bias, right? Like because I'm, I'm suddenly looking at it through this lens of yeah. being involved. But I can see orange everywhere. Um, I think people are talking about it. And the fact that it's been 30 years, gosh, yeah. I can't believe it, right? Yeah. Like, how? Why have we not moved? <laughs> how, how, how have things not changed in yeah. 30 years? And I think just that flagging that time, I think people are probably thinking, what's going on? Why is this not working? Yeah. She's Women's Lawyers Association president. And she made a great point. Um, um, she said, you know, legally in Malawi, we've done a lot of work. There's absolutely, been, absolutely. Acts, there, you know, it's illegal to do these things. Yeah. So, what is the other side of it? Yeah. I've been thinking since she made that point that what is the other side of this work? That's a very, very good question. And I think for a lot of us in this space, it's a question that we've tried to answer. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that has been talked about a lot is around the causes of the violence itself, because it's not only the legal aspect of it, because I think in the last 30 years, and even beyond the 30 years, mm -hmm. there's been so much work that has been done to put, you know, different laws and just the response mechanisms mm -hmm. for us to get to a point where, you know, even Malawi recognizes violence as a problem in the penal code. Um, of course, you know, the penal code also needs lot of work um, but you know just work for them to get to the point where we have a gender equality act or you know the national action plan on, on ending violence I think a lot has been done legally we should be a lot further um, and that's also true for a lot of other African countries but I think what is very pertinent I think for me and as much as we say you know social norms and gender norms um, which are a very big problem and a very big cause for a lot of the violence I think the other issue that we really, really need to sort of grind down on mm -hmm. is who exactly is enforcing mm -hmm. those gender norms and the social norms. And one thing that we also know is that people follow a leader. Mm -hmm. 
So if your leaders are not insistent on shattering these social norms and these gender norms, nobody is going to be willing to change that. And, and I think what we've seen in Malawi is that trend where you know we have leaders where they're you know in their campaign speeches they're all about we're going to end violence against women. However, I think I'm gonna give you know this example of Malawi and this happened in Zambia, um, where presidents are talking about yes we're going to eradicate violence and inequality, but the first move that you make is to remove the Ministry of Gender and then to like elect a 90% male cabinet and things like that. So when people see that, mm-hmm. you know, when people see that action, they're not going to remember the words that you said about ending the violence. So I think we've done a lot of work, yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, these laws I think have been passed because the international community is also putting that pressure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of African societies have leaders who are upholding social mm-hmm. norms, um, that perpetuate the violence, even in the language that they speak. You know, they don't take into account the the consequences of that. So I think, you know, that's um, it's one of the causes. I think why I wanted to find out how you feel about this year is because you know, with COVID nineteen, yeah, the rates of violence also skyrocketed. Right. Um, you know, from women who. With, before the pandemic, they couldn't leave their homes. Yeah. And they, they could sort of escape the violence and go do something else for themselves. But after the lockdown measures, everything shut down. Everybody was stuck at home. Um, and this is something that people have also had to face this reality that a lot of abusers are the people in our homes. They're not strangers on the roads. Um, which I think is also, it's an odd thing that people have been in denial that it is the people in our homes um, until they saw the rates of defilement that came up last year. And, you know, this year, I think for me, has been sad. Um, I think we've done all the work. Yeah. Everything that we could do. Um, And I remember your quote from the Voices and Faces, which is, you know, congratulations for all the progress that we've done. But something needs to shift. Yeah, and I think what I what I commend you even yeah. further now is that you creating that space to have this kind of conversation, yeah. this kind of conversation. Because I think a lot of the times is we're also afraid to look at the other side. Because truly, congratulations to these people who have put in a lot of work. Thirty yeah. years goes by very fast. So even I'm sure even some of them go, has it really been? <laughs> yes. But so congratulations. The other side of it, we still have to address. It does not take away. Yeah. It does not take away the effort that's already been made. But I, I, am sure that even the people that have been taking the lead on these issues understand that, uh, can understand that. You know, there's more to to look at than yeah. into. And um, you talked about um, people. You know, the violence also being within the homes. Yeah. Um, you know that you, you, we tend to shelter uh, people in our homes. So, you know, the perpetrator is inside, and then yeah. your instinct is to protect them. And so, it came up like the other day, uh, like what is violence, and do we know? And it came up in this conversation I was having, um, where uh, somebody was like, "Well, why not just teach children how to recognize what violence is?" Yeah. I thought well, that's really pretty. Uh, 
idea. Mm. And so we got to talking about it, and then it's like, well, do we recognize even as adults? Like, do we know what violence yeah. is? And so it's those type of conversations because it's tough, right? It's tough to unpack, and it doesn't take, you know, it's going to take a lot of, um, you know, like people actually wanting to give themselves. Absolutely. The reason I'm 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 interested in this um, particular work is because. I care about our country. Yes. I care about where we're going as a country. Yeah. And if we all agree that this is not uh, something to hang on to and we need to fix this, then it starts with us. It's the person, the individual, then we have to collectively move together. And I think on the legal side, kudos to the to the people that have been working on those things because they obviously join efforts and made these things happen. Absolutely. So on the social side, we have to do the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think on, on the issue of you know us coming together as a movement, I think that's a very important point. Um, I know that this year um, there's been a lot of cause for unification of the like feminist movement, mm -hmm. you know, because that's at the forefront of, of you know trying to respond yeah. to the, the rates of violence. Um, and it's interesting because Malawi has some of the worst rates of violence in Southern Africa. Um, you know, and we are also you know, at the forefront of signing up to lead on, on, on ge the generation equality commitments of, of like movement building. Um, and you know, after all of those processes, after all these public speeches, what's happening on the ground is that we can't even have a conversation with the government to talk about. I literally was just about to guffaw on it. You know, it's, 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 it, 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 of course it was an opportunity where, you know, if we do not live up to those commitments, it's a point for accountability for the Malawian government to say, mm -hmm. but you signed on very publicly, globally, to say you are going to lead on this, however people in the country Suffering. Women, especially, are suffering. And Malawi already does so poorly yeah. in responding to violence. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I want to maybe you know, discuss is what do you like regarding now government's response yeah. um, to COVID 19 and, and you know, factoring in the fact that one of the biggest things that has come out is you know, the inequalities that exist in Malawi, especially when it comes to women and girls. Mm -hmm. What do you think the government? I think we need to talk about what they're not doing right, yeah. and then maybe see what they need to be doing moving forward. Right. Um, I think specifically as a country, as a government, um, implementing and actually creating tasks to do this yeah. is something that we don't do well. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's always easier to analyze from the outside and then taking that perspective but I'm taking it seriously yeah. because I'm a beneficiary of the choices that are made yeah. or not made. Um, I don't think that the response is um, should be... When we talk about the response of government, we're not talking about individuals, whereas in Malawi, it's as if we're like, attacking people. Yeah. But we're talking about the systems, right? Like, the system, I'm not even clear. I don't even know if it's <laughs> there. It's, it's a hard to even pinpoint. Yeah. Um, but... What I can say without hiccuping is it doesn't feel present. It doesn't Absolutely. seem like there's anything going on. Yeah. And that's not a personal attack. It is an experience that I'm having as a beneficiary of 
these systems that are supposed to be working. They're yeah. not. I remember um, last year, even speaking of the COVID stuff, um, COVID response, and there was a point where you speech after speech. Uh -huh. And there was a point where, this is before even the vaccine showed up, I remember looking at my husband and saying, we're on our own. <laughs> and I meant that deeply. Like, I just did not feel supported that the government was supporting the needs that I have as yeah. a mom, as a human, like, just as a person, as an individual. Yeah. I didn't feel supported. So just to go back to it, I, I think that government needs to do better at um, working closely with people on the ground yeah. so that people can understand what government's um, position is on these matters. Yeah. I think communication is really very poor. Um, and so I think just starting there, but to put the pressure is conversations like these that I think are going to start to create some, to texturize yeah. the gaps because we feel the gaps, absolutely, but we don't talk about them. Yeah. And then you say to yourself, let me figure out a way. Like I said, I looked at my husband and said, we're on our own. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to get the system from. So, yeah, that's what I, I think. I really like um, the point that you've made on is there even a system? Because it's very hard to pinpoint it, yeah. right? Um, you know, we, we have heard all the speeches from you know ministers and even the president himself condemning violence yeah. and giving speeches about how very un-Malawian violence yeah. is. But then when you look at the situation on the ground and the justifications yeah. that are made for yeah. the violence that happens, it is almost as though the violence is a part of the Malawian culture, right? Yeah, sure. Because, you know, when a woman or a young woman or a girl, you know, a teenager is, is raped, um, the police, unfortunately, and as much as the, the police system is not meant to ask this question, they still ask it today, which is, you know, what were you wearing? Um, what, what did you say for this man to feel like he, he was allowed to do that to you? And they make it seem as though women or girls are the ones who permit the perpetrators to, you know, violate them. And then at the end of the day, they say, you know, oh, no, if you wore a short skirt, that's very un-Malawian for you to do. As though just existing as a human being, making personal decisions for you to wear what you want to wear, that's un-Malawian. Whereas the violence that is given as sort of a punishment for a person making personal choices is, that's what's Malawian. But then the government now comes in to say, the violence is very un-Malawian, but they're not doing anything to yeah. enforce or emphasize mm -hmm. that, you know, things like um, the way a person dresses mm -hmm. or, you know, going to the club, for example, yeah. or just being in your own home, right. you know, is, is never a reason or grounds for violence. Mm -hmm. um, I think another area as a society, and I think you also spoke to this, is that we shelter the perpetrators, we shelter the yeah. violence. Yeah. I think that also speaks to, you know, society making the violence a part of our identity. And I would just piggyback on that yeah. and say, this is where being able, because sometimes also I was saying that you, we shelter because we care for the perpetrator, like yeah. they're part of the family, right? Absolutely. So it's like, you, and then you start to make excuses, perhaps it's, po it's possible to make excuses for somebody and then say, well, that wasn't that violent, right? Yeah. So that's where also that point of being able to recognize violence 
And then just to piggyback on that idea of like the systems again, um, you know, like WLA, like Women's Lawyers Association, they are able to tell people exactly yeah. where to go, what to do, but to me as a, just a common citizen, I don't know what the steps are. Yeah. So there's something that needs to happen, and I think that's where coming together does come, like does help. It will yeah. help when everybody starts to sort of streamline one thing, because then you know WLA will say go here, and then then maybe we can build a system of response. Yeah. Because even on a, from an individual um, in a family household, let's say, where or police, like police or whatever, they say, oh, you know what we wear, whatever. Yeah. That. There should be something in place for that person Absolutely. to to go and report that. This is why I'm so excited that also um, Grace Malaya, who's also you know very active in the gender uh, movement, yeah. Um, you know her being a woman, we have an ally, and yeah. you know, and by we I mean I shouldn't just speak because you know when we have these conversations, people just assume that we means. Feminine, like feminists or yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. when I say we I say I, I'm saying Malawians and wherever other country that um, in, in, in your countries in other countries um, whoever else is listening um, if I think there should be a system where you can report the person that's not helping you absolutely you should be and able to in have some countries system. they do have sure. such structures yeah um, it's just a, 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 I think one thing that unfortunately a lot of African countries have in common is that those systems just don't work. Like like you said, it's as though they just don't exist. What is they're that not that not even there. Why? Why do you think that? I think it, it definitely goes back to just how society is structured and how we have internalized the violence as part of our identity. And we've made such that when we look at all of these response mechanisms that are supposed to be working, we look at it the same way that society looks at feminism, for example, that this is a Western thing that needs time to be properly implemented. But I think it boils down to the individuals themselves. Because I think, yes, the system doesn't work. But it also doesn't work because the individuals in charge of making the system work do not have the will to make yes. it work. Because it's been 30 years of the 16 days campaign, it's been, um, I think, even longer than that, no, no, no longer, um, since like treaties and conventions like mm -hmm. the Maputo Protocol mm -hmm. were put in place, that mm -hmm. countries like us, a lot of countries in Africa signed on to, mm -hmm. but they have not been domesticated. Mm -hmm. Because, and I know that this is the reason why a lot of African countries have not domesticated certain parts of like the Maputo Protocol, because it is against that country's culture mm -hmm. to domesticate certain aspects of it. Oh um, for example, Malawi did not domesticate one part which was speaking to the legalization of safe abortion because mm -hmm. it was against the culture mm -hmm. of Malawi. And I think for me, what I've also, I think this is also where I've, I've realized that all of this. The main barrier, yeah. I think, for us as a society is violence has become our identity. And to break away from the, that identity, I think, is what we're struggling with. We cannot blame the law anymore. That is an area that is so dear to me. Yeah. Um, identity. Um, yeah, I think if, I personally think if we start to target that aspect of this conversation that 
you know, like the identity, like what do we want to identify with as yeah. Alliance? And I just don't understand why I would I fail to believe that we could all look at this and say, yeah, you know, gender-based violence is part of who we are. Yeah. You know, yeah, defilement, that's Malawi. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I think that we can all agree that we want to be proud of our identity, absolutely, from an individual, like an individual perspective or collectively. Yeah. We want to feel proud. And now we have to start asking ourselves, what will make us proud yeah. as Malawians, as individuals? What will make us proud? I don't think being a, being a perpetrator or a victim makes me proud. Absolutely. A survivor makes me proud. Like, I don't think these aspects, these are things that have happened to people. And we should, they should, especially when I speak on survivors, these things have happened to them. We need to help them also understand that they need to, um, they're supported so that they can feel yeah. proud of yeah. their system. They can feel proud of their fellow citizens coming up and saying, no, what happened to you was wrong. Yeah. And we should be saying, I don't want my child to be a, a violent person or to be, um, to, 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 to sort of to experience this violence. I would be, I wouldn't be proud if I raised a boy who did this. Yeah. So what am I going to do? So we need to just start thinking about that. And I'm glad you bring up the issue of identity because I think that's the thing that can help drive some of these solutions. Yeah. The president, he want. Don't you want to be proud, sir? Right. Exactly. Don't you? Exactly. You know, the ministers. What's going to make you proud? Yeah. This certainly is. It's, it's just a stain on this kind of country's reputation. On, on that same point, um, I, I, I know there's a speech that um, the Minister of Gender made recently um, and she was talking to the, the traditional leaders um, and to the leaders who are like in, at district council level um, and she was specifically talking about, you know, the, the, another aspect of, you know, the, the rate of violence in Malawi where the perpetrators are traditional leaders, yeah. religious leaders. Yeah. Um, teachers, you know, people who generally as a society we look up to, you know, we tell children, look up to these people, um, but they are, the, they are also, you know, some of the people leading when it comes to perpetrators of violence, whether it's the, in their homes or in their institutions where we have given them that trust. Mm -hmm. And um, and then she also talked about how the district council mm -hmm. is also responsible for sort of brushing over this issue so that yeah. the public doesn't know and also just minimalizing the incidences of violence. And and she was very insistent on we need to start, you know, holding these people accountable. When, if, if we're making arrests, we need to now start from the top. Mm -hmm. If if you know if okay who is saying this? The Minister of Gender, um Patricia Patricia Benetti. And, and you know they, they she spoke about how um, you know, if you hear a case, say for example, a father has defiled their daughter, which is happening so, so much right now in the country, it's ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. and, and she was like, start arresting the father and then also arrest the mother. Mm -hmm. Because yes, we're, we live in a, in a society where, you know, the patriarchal system has also conditioned a lot of women. Mm -hmm 
to look at men as the providers and so that drives a lot of women from not reporting um, because now if you report the husband he's going to provide for their children um, but she spoke about you need to arrest the mother and the father and you need to find you know some kind of shelter for the child but with how the system is also flawed in itself we cannot trust the people at the shelters to look after these children because some of them also happen to be defilers themselves. So now, where exactly do we go? And you know, just to add more information about that, those shelters, you can only provide that shelter for so so long. And it exactly. came it came up in um, last week um, at, a, at an event where you can only keep somebody so long, not because you don't want to, but you can only afford to keep yeah. somebody for so long. So where do they go? After that, yeah. and it's it's a problem. I mean, it's obviously a, a situation that has to be dealt with. It shouldn't. We shouldn't be finding, looking so hard, like putting in so much energy to find solutions that for a problem that can be solved before it gets to that space where you're yeah. like, now we have to take this child out of the house. Um, I think at that point, it's so it's too late. Yes, um, and. When I said earlier that the president should want to be proud, I'm assuming, I'm making the assumption that this is really something that makes him sick, you know, and that he would want to correct the situation. And I have, that, I have a hope. Yeah. <laughs> but my hope is accompanied by somebody else. Well, I feel like that's because there, there, there are now, um, there's not enough um, action taken towards you know like supportive action yeah. to the perspective that he's given that okay i'm with you we're doing this yeah and again this is not a personal attack and it's not even attacking any anybody and i don't want this to be misconstrued and say oh you know maybe i have an opinion about the president it's not that i'm just saying that collectively the president included government has to put their you know put Action to where what they're saying. Absolutely, it just has to happen. So even Patricia Galliati speaking on that. I mean, I know I'm sure she 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 would feel it. Anybody would feel this. That why would a father do this to a child? Yeah. Because he needs to go to prison. I don't think a thinking individual would be like, well, just let him be. Yeah. You know, I don't think a thinking person would say that. He needs to be held accountable. That is Absolutely. actually the lowest form of human. If like, if that's just just low. It's beneath low. I can't even imagine it myself. That said, we need action. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, come on, we can talk about this, but we need the action. Thirty years, long time. Really long time. Very long time. And you know what's even more exasperating is that in the first years we've been dealing with the same kinds of violence, which we're still talking about today. Yeah. We've been dealing with defilement and in some cases especially with the, the pandemic yeah this the kinds of violence has just gotten worse yeah. so it makes you question like did we actually make any progress in dismantling Very this particular system that just allows the violence to happen yeah. Um, you know, and I think we also bring in a very important point in that it's not the individuals themselves mm. um, even though I still maintain that there are some individuals who are feeding the, yeah. this beast of a, of a system. That's disgusting. Yeah, but it's not them, it's the entire government yeah. that has to be held accountable. 
And I think that's where I want to take the conversation um, next week, but we'll get into that data just after this break. <laughs> um, we will be right back. Welcome back to the Response Podcast. Before we went on break, we were just talking about the commemoration of the 30 years of the 16 Days Back to Disney campaign, how it's been the last 30 years, you know, and we really started talking about, you know, why is it that after all these 30 years and even beyond the 30 years, why are we still talking about violence? You know, a lot of countries, especially in Africa, have been great progress legally in that we have better laws now that address violence, but the violence is still there and it's still getting worse, especially with the global pandemic. And why is that? Could it be an issue of social norms? Could it be an issue that society just doesn't want to eliminate violence because it is a part of our identity? Could it be that we need more political will? We what exactly is the biggest barrier towards you know ending on ending violence against women and girls and that brings me to another aspect of this conversation that i think um is also something that we need to start really talking about and it's on financing the work um i think you know of course globally when it comes to all issues women all issues gender equality it's not the best funded um you know i think looking from the outside it looks like it's beautifully funded and we have abundance amounts of funding for this but realistically you know programming or advocacy on ending violence itself is not well funded um i'll give an example of malawi where the ministry of gender which is responsible for all issues of violence against women and girls violence against the elderly you know over these this kinds of violence but it's also one of the least funded ministries in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a point of interrogation because Malawi's population, over 50% of Malawi's population is women and girls. Mm-hmm. However, there's only one ministry that is responsible for that part of the population and it is the least funded. Mm-hmm. How do we justify that? How do we say we are dedicated to ending violence against women and we're, 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 you know, we're advocating fighting for gender equality, but we're not giving money to the ministry that is responsible for that. How do we even begin to justify that as a country? And this is very common for a lot of countries as well in Africa, that the ministry that is responsible for anything or eliminating violence is the least funded. How do we make that make any sense? I think you can. Um, <laughs> um, Again, I think that speaks to the point you were raising about action and systems. Um, the administrations that get voted in, um, I think, need to be held accountable. Um, because, okay, we can accept the fact that things have been the way that they've been, but they don't have to stay that way. Yeah. And um, those people that are elected or appointed need to start making the necessary, taking the necessary steps to change aspects of what is there. Yeah. So, in, in as far as like um, allocating money towards gender or um, creating more space for um, 
women issues within other uh, ministries? I don't know exactly what the answer is. However, I think that change can be brought to Malawi if people <laughs> start taking the aspect of making changes seriously, yeah. taking steps towards that. Um, you know, we have representation. We have. It's not adequate. It's not the way that we, a lot of us, would like to be represented. And as far as like the numbers go in Parliament, but there are women in there, um, and they they should they should be supported. Organizations should start supporting those women. And I know that they are. There's a lot of um, effort that's being put towards that. Yeah. But we need it needs to translate into change, like yeah. difference. We need to make. I don't know how to put it because we, just, we keep saying using the same words, change, change, change. I mean, yeah. this administration ran on that concept, but we're all sitting back and twiddling our thumbs, going, "What happened? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah. where, where's the change?" And everybody says, "No, be patient, because change yeah. takes time." It's like, okay, fair enough, but you know, have you decided? You know, because first you have to. It's we're intelligent beings, literally. We are designed to notice the very minute change. We are designed, we're sensitive to that. We would know if something was changing. Yeah. But the problem is that at the moment, it doesn't seem like anything Absolutely. is happening. Absolutely. And so, when you, yeah, of course, I say, it's you cannot make those justifications. You cannot say, hey, <laughs> Sarah Ladeiri made this point the other day. She says, Hey, if you decide that we're leaving in the long way to go to Garonga, and then you say, "Hey guys, yeah, we're gonna go to Garonga," and everybody goes, "Well, hey, we're going to Garonga," and then, then they put ten kwacha of fuel. <laughs> you see, that's a good illustration. So I think that's what I'm talking about there. Yeah. I I I enjoy that reference that you just made um, because that is sort of like a depiction. Yeah. Of, of you know the commitments that have been made, especially in Malawi, that you know the government has committed to eliminating violence, right. but there's no financing for the police in regards to say the victim support. Yeah. I know I've heard of cases where you call the police to come and help you. Yeah. And when the police get there, they're like, "Well, you will need to pay for our fuel." Yeah. To come here, you know, you even need to pay the police to print out your reports that you need to take to the hospital so the yeah. hospital can help you. And it's 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 that thing where you're like, these are things that we pay taxes for. Yeah. And you know, of course, there's also that other aspect of where where are where are our taxes going when they're not really helping people, which is what they're for. Um you know, the police is not financed. Of course, there's so many issues with the police. I mean, look at this case that happened a few years ago. And it's also just sad that a lot of the issues, a lot of the cases that have received some kind of justice mm-hmm. have been pushed by a civil society. Yeah. And not the government itself yeah. saying, this has to be done or we need justice for this. Yeah. It's not supposed to be like that. Civil yeah. society is not supposed to rally together, yeah. you know, fundraise for, you know, legal representation for victims of violence so that they receive an adequate or some kind of justice because the system itself is failing. Yeah. And, you know, I also know like in some districts like in the southern region of Malawi where 
the courts are so far, yeah. there's no in between. So a lot of you know survivors of violence just don't want to go to court because it's so far. Mm -hmm. And because they also know that the likelihood of them receiving justice mm -hmm. is very low, they don't want to put in the effort and the resources to go to court only to come back without receiving any justice. And I think this also um, speaks to another issue that the minister as well mentioned is that we are keeping people for in, in prisons for petty theft. Mm. And we have abusers roaming around mm. on the basis of we don't have space in prisons mm. for them. Mm. Which is wild. I think also that just speaks to the unwillingness mm. of the entire system. You know, to just how can you say you're committed, but you're not, like what you just said, that yeah. you're not doing what's needed to be done. And of course, all of these efforts require financing. Yeah. But why are you not pushing for the financing then? You know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the times things are complex, but they're not complicated. Like yes. that, the distinction between those two words it makes, it creates, um, it really, for me, it depicts the gap between yeah. thinking because we can all accept and understand that this issue is complex and finding solutions is complex because it's a nuanced issue, but it's not complicated. Absolutely. It's like, that's why that depiction that Sarah used about the fuel, when you're trying to get the garonga and you put 10 kwacha, is so, you know, it's, it's but it's so so true, it's so funny because yeah. of that, right? We love to keep from crying because it's like, what is really going on? Exactly. Now? So, well, I guess what I need to say is let's stop complicating obvious things. Yeah. You know? They and I feel like politics is designed to complicate because <laughs> there's smoke comes up and people yeah. don't know where it's going, who's going where. Yeah. But Let's go back to the issue of identity. This is how we're being viewed. This is how we're viewing each other. This is, yeah. There is zero care. We do not value each other. Absolutely. And this is what the problem is, is that at the end of the day, we're creating a situation where we, we are adding fuel to the fire. We're continuing to divide ourselves. People that care and people that don't care. <laughs> that, you know, it, it's just we're creating a great big mess. Mm. And I would just, I really um, have, you know, I have, so, have had so much hope because I really thought, I really thought, and I say this with such a heavy heart because I was using a passive. I really thought that this administration would, would, you know, sort of like pull us out of the type of mentality. Yeah. But it's kind of disappointing to see that it's not doing it. And the whole thing is to be told, just wait, it's coming. <laughs> and it just it really like it, it, I think of the you know, I think of the people in the communities. Like I live out in Gigi and when I'm there and I'm talking with you know people that we work with over there, whether it's you know the builders or the, the ladies that help clean the house, the, the rooms and what have you, when we're talking to them, they feel duped. Absolutely. You know? And so <laughs> I just think, let's yeah. just address the issue, which is 
who are we, what do we want to actually get done? Stop putting ten kwacha in the vehicle and pretending that you're taking us to Karana. Yeah. If all if ten kwacha is all you have, please make necessary commitments that fit to the ten kwacha. Absolutely. Don't tell us that we're going to Karanga when we're not going anywhere. Just yeah. think, just fess up to it. You, you, and you know the point that you made and the reason that you asked this question is the funding. I just don't know what else people can do. Yeah. And my whole thing now is let's let's have these conversations because somebody out there is thinking about these solutions. Yeah. And again, I have to commend you for, for creating this space because at some point, a light bulb is going to switch on. We're going to find solutions if we continue talking about these things. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, you know, when it comes to the funding, I think what you've said is has stuck with me on, you know, um, these grant commitments that our governments make and mm-hmm. then proceed to make so many excuses as to why we can just not achieve that. And I think that speaks to when you're looking at the development plans that you know governments are making and the investments that are going into other areas or other um, other you know and the investments that are going into like other areas, of course agriculture is important, yeah. but now you have to interrogate within that, that the agriculture sector. Um, when you look at the women aspect of it, yeah. it's not funded either. The funding in general, you know, the general operation, yeah. the ones that also, you know, sort of speak to or satisfy a lot of men as opposed to women. Mm-hmm. But the, the aspects of the different sectors that speak to women specifically are the least funded on all boards in so many countries. Mm-hmm. But the Ministry of Gender itself is not funded. And then you go deep into it and you look at the, the issue of violence itself, mm-hmm. it's not funded. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, like I said, the, the agriculture sector, the health sector, the education sector, all of the aspects of the sectors that speak to violence right. are not funded. And when you ask the questions about why it's not funded, they'll start mm-hmm. giving you stories of how, no, we just don't have enough funding for that, we need to focus on this. But what they also are in denial, or, yeah. or maybe they just don't want to speak to it, or maybe they just don't know, or they're yeah. just selectively ignoring is yeah. that <laughs> violence. Yeah affects all the operations yeah. and you know you cannot be productive yeah. if you're experiencing violence at home yeah. or you're experiencing violence at school yeah. if we're pumping money into the education system for right. example yeah. but we're not talking about the violence that young girls experience at the hands of their fellow students and especially staff members and teachers for example um, the University of Malawi Tanzala College in Malawi has I think the highest rates of violence mm. in the whole country. Mm. But we're pumping in money to sort of make it, you know, like the president said, the university or the college that God loved most, but you're not addressing the fact that a lot of students, a lot of young women end up dropping out for semesters, they you know, their grades fail, and not like we're not even touching their mental health itself and how yeah. that is affected because of all the violence yeah. but where you know publicly we're saying oh no we're trying to revitalize the education system and make it better you know we're working on the curriculum and upgrading that what about the aspect of violence itself 
And I think one, <laughs> one, other, um, one other area is the transport system. Mm -hmm. um, public transport is the least safest space for women. It's not safe at all. Yeah. Women are being trafficked and abducted and raped and, 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 and violated in public transport. And all that the government is going to do is, oh, we're trying to build better roads. Like, how, what are you doing about those roads being better, safer for women? You know, we're pumping in so much money into infrastructure that looks good for the outside world, but yeah, we're not doing anything about making it safer. So that I think for me that speaks to the same thing of yeah. all these commitments, but just put like a drop, a tiny yeah. drop that doesn't of funding sense. into it. Yeah, because also if there is a this is the issue, right? Like you know how um, if 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 it's a real priority you find ways absolutely you know, if you have no other choice you 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 you're gonna fight yeah. like if it has to be done you will you will find ways to 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 make it to actually show that yeah. it's a priority and i think a lot of people are disappointed because even what you're listing and you're 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 you're, you're highlighting right now i think it's evidence of like why people are feeling disappointed yeah. um and it's something that needs to he said really loud because um, unless you're a part of the conversation, you ignore it. You yeah. know, conveniently, you don't have to think about it. And so, even for me, like I was saying, this is my first year actively getting involved. Um, it, it has changed my perspective. My point is that it is quite possible when you're talking um, to to the to the people in leadership, they just not involved. You know. Yeah. So they're not actively involved. They just maybe it's a it's a file on their desk or something. Yeah. Maybe it's a you know a, a percentage, a, a decimal point. You yeah. know the difference between sixty eight and six point eight percent. You know. Yeah. Maybe it's that. You know because for them it's not necessarily um, a part of uh, their their way of understanding how life is going. Yeah. It's not a priority. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've talked about so many <laughs> issues, and I think this is a conversation that definitely needs to continue yeah. because you know, there's so much that needs to be talked about and so much that needs to be addressed because we do definitely need to find a way forward and you know, solutions. Um, yeah. How do we end the violence altogether? Yeah. How do we get to a point where we're done? Talking about violence, and you know, we're not going back and forth about yeah. what's the reason. It's, exhausting. It's, it's been very exhausting. Yeah. So, I think now as we're closing, like, what would you recommend maybe for first the government and then society, and then as young people, what needs to be done, you know, for the next year so that next year during the 16 days of activism, we're not having the same conversations as this year? Across the board, be honest. Yeah. Be honest about the priorities that you have. That's to the government. Be honest about what's going on in your household. Yeah. That's to the families and society. That's to the community. Become honest to the individual. Become honest. Do you understand violence? Are you violent? Have you experienced violence? Yeah. Are you helping to perpetuate violence? Are you proud of? where you are as an individual yeah so collect it just across the board become honest be honest i love that especially um, on, on talking to the individual that be honest 
um, in terms of I had the experience violence, talk about it, report the violence, you know, are you sheltered violence? And also, I think for young men and women, are you fueling the violence? Yeah. Are you perpetuating the rape culture, the rape jokes? Are you somehow, you know, take moments to maybe just take moments to introspect and be like, what is it that I'm doing as an individual that might be contributing to violence? You know, that might. I think people take it lightly that you know certain words do incite violence, certain actions do incite violence, and I love that you've said that. And you know, I just want to say thank you so much um, you. for joining me on this episode of the response. And um, you know, we'll definitely continue this conversation because there's so much more <laughs> that needs to be said. Um, and you know, I, I love the campaign that you guys are doing, and I hope that next year we make it bigger, and you know, so that we. It's more impactful. It also yeah. You know, something needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> something absolutely yeah. needs to change. Um, and that brings us to the end of this episode of the Response Podcast. You have been with me, Jessica, your host, and our guest today. Let me to thank you. Um, join us again for another episode of the Response. For more information and details on today's topic, Please download the latest issue of the Response Newsletter for free from our website um, as well as our Telegram channel. Um, we will be announcing the release dates um, or you can check out our social media um, on Twitter, which is at forequality underscore MW, um, where you will find our activity guide, which has the dates for the launch for the newsletter. Um, and to join in on the discussion and to share your thoughts Please find us on social media, on Twitter, particularly um, on the handle at the response underscore AFR. I will say that again, at the response underscore AFR. Thank you for joining us and see you next time. The response is curated and produced under For Equality, a Pan-African women's rights organization working towards a gender equal and just Africa.